everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. I wasn't really planning on doing another episode tonight. It's usually I'm trying to get my recording down to about once per week now that I have a few episodes out. But I figured, hey, why not? I just came home from a PPTQ, my very first one, by the way. And I figured, hey, let's talk about it. You know, I feel like, you know, I did pretty well and I didn't top eight or win the thing or anything, didn't even top 16, but I learned, you know, a lot of valuable lessons and just learning how to be a better player and why not discuss it. Before we get into that, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about card prices as especially getting into modern, a lot of people as myself included, and probably all of you have noticed, card prices seem to be going crazy. Um, And it's, I'm not here to really say, you know, I know how to fix it. Um, You know, especially now that even Eternal Masters has been announced, it's been, you know, it's been a little crazy here. It's, I'm I'm not sure what to really think or what to do. As, like I said, ever since Eternal Master has been announced, you know, revised duels have been going up like insane. And, you know, and now, now that Eldrazi has become the dominant deck in modern, it's not only are Eldrazi cards going up, um, I think some of them are crashing down now. But, you know, it's some of them are going up. Others are going down, and you know, it's raining cats and dogs out there, and you know, cats are getting along with dogs, and what do we do to end this craziness? And, you know, it it gets kind of frustrating, you know, especially, it's got to be frustrating for new people too. Um, recently, Jace Vren's Prodigy just went up again, and in case you forget, Jace Jace Vryn's prodigy is the Flipwalker and Magic of Origins. He's I think he's finally surpassed Jace the Mind Sculptor in price. Last I saw, Jace Vryn's prodigy is $90 now for one. Um, let me look up Mind Sculptor. You know, I'm curious now. So if I go to Star City Games. And look up Jace the Mind Sculptor. He is at $90. Oh, no, no, no. That's the from the vault version. The World Wake version is $100. So, Jace Vern's Prodigy is just $10 below that. He's $90 on Star City Games. So, you know... I mean, I, I mentioned before, I'm glad I got them at a cheap, but what what do you do for people that are just now trying to get into standard or even not even just standard, but just wanting to play competitive? It's modern, for example. If you want to be competitive in modern, you're looking to drop one grand easy. And you know, now, now there's so much shaking confidence that, you know, is that tier one deck going to be banned next time Wizards releases the you know, the next ban announcement in it, to me, it almost makes me feel like what's the point of investing in tier one, if it's going to be banned next year or in the next few months, you know, right now, as you've heard me say, I have elves and Grixis Delver, you know, what, who's to say they won't ban elves or cavern of souls. For instance, cavern of souls is one of the main lands that, elves really needs in order to be good so they don't get countered to oblivion Um, who's to say they're not going to man that just for instance like coco collected company and in case you don't know what collected company does collected company lets you look at the top six cards of your library put up to two creature cards with converted mana cost three or less from among them onto the battlefield put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order and that costs three colorless and a green so four all together and it's an instant <laughs> you know so if if they were to ban 
collect a company in modern for instance my elf deck is dead yeah i have court of calling and lead the stampede but at that point what there's no point in playing elves um you know it's sort of like i don't believe i, I mean i want to believe wizards won't do something like that you know i i i, I want to have faith that hey they they may do something about this eldrazi madness and hey maybe We'll unban Splinter Twin. We'll unban, I don't know, Stoneforge Mystic. We'll unban the Artifact Lands. Just, I don't know. So it's, you know, like I was saying, I feel kind of bad for new people wanting to get into it right now because it's so expensive. And there's really, especially if you're wanting to be competitive and win, you, you not only have to spend so much money up front to get a competitive deck. But then the upkeep of it as well as new sets come out, you know, there may be a new piece for your deck that comes out and, oh, it gets hyped to hell and it drives the price up 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 40 bucks, whatever. You know, it, it, it's got to be frustrating for people, especially for people that are really trying to play magic on a budget and they want to play these fun cards because let's be honest, some of these cards that are just really expensive they're really fun cards. Um, Liliana the Veil is a good example. That's, what, $110 now? And it's a really fun Planeswalker. It's one that... I don't know, it's just really good. It doesn't surprise me that the fakes, the counterfeits that are coming out are looking more and more real. I'll be honest right now, I bought um just to just to mess around with some vintage decks. I bought a bunch of really good fake power nine, you know, a set of power nine, a set of duels, um, some other cards like like Lion's Eye Diamond and Force of Wills and Oh, there's probably some other stuff too I'd have to look through. It was about a hundred of them. And it cost me like 30 bucks. Now, right up front, you can tell that the the cards are fake when you hold them and feel them. But in a sleeve, especially double sleeved, you know, if you were to just casually look at it, you can't tell. It's that good. Now, would it pass the Ben test or the light test? No, it would not. And the Ben test and the light test, I think, uh, don't take my word for it, but the Ben test is... Like I guess they're able to determine if the card's fake by bending the card a little bit. Um, and the light test is something where you shine a flashlight or UV light through it and you'll be able to see you know, if it goes through it, it's not real or it's not fake or whatever. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not too knowledgeable about how how you can tell a card is or is not real. So... I mean, I don't know, it's just something that's been on my mind this past week, and it's kind of frustrating because, it's, especially when I try to talk other people getting into magic, and then they see the price tag and just balk at it. Like my neighbor, I tried to get him into magic, and you know he was in it for a while, and but he just, I could just tell he wasn't having fun because in order to be competitive, you have to invest money into it, and. You know, especially just starting out now, geez, if if you were to start standard right now, you would have to spend, I think a minimum, let's say Dark Jeskai, for instance, oh gee, now that Jace has gone up, you're probably looking to spend like one grand on the mana base and Jace alone is going to be the most expensive. The fetches. I mean, the fetches have gone down a little bit, but I'm sure they're going to go right back up since they're rotating out soon. But those are ridiculously expensive. Um, yeah, I mean, I could ramble on and on about this and just how frustrating it can be. But, you know, that's that's not what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, before I get into the main topic... I want to talk a little bit about how I did at FNM last night. FNM was sort of the precursor to today's PPTQ. And 
last night at FNM, I took my Eldrazi ramp deck and I didn't do too bad. I think. Yeah, what place did I get in? Let me look it up real quick. Do, 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 do. Don't mind me. I'm just searching for this stuff. Well, okay. I got second place last night. Um, the In the last round, the the other guy and I, we decided to split. And we, we played out the games anyway, but I lost. So, um, so it, I pretty much went, not, I, I can't really say four and four and oh, but it, it was really close. It was three, oh, and one. And I went up against, oh, geez, what I go up against round one was black, white allies, which dang that. That deck can get nasty fast with Kalistra Healers and Zulaport Cutthroats. And just every single ally coming out on a, in existence. And then managed to beat that. Managed to, managed to stabilize getting Ugin and Ulamog out. Then next round was... I guess it'd be Bant Company. That deck is just annoying. Luckily I beat it, but ugh. I don't like playing it. Friggin' Deathmiss Raptors and Reflector Mages and Sylvan Advocates. And that deck just has such good tempo, too. And what I mean by tempo, it's like they're able to just play a creature every turn. Warden First Tree, Deathmiss Raptor, Sylvan Advocate. You know, it's, it's like, ugh, what the heck. But I managed to beat it anyway. But it's it still, it that was a tough win, though. That came That came down to it where it really came down to top decks. I top decked an Ulamog. I had an Ulamog on the field already tapped. And if I had not drawn... Wait, no, how'd it go? No, I attacked with Ulamog. He didn't block, and he milled the 20 cards, and he came back at me, got me down to something. I don't remember how much. Probably like three or four. Come my turn, I attack again, mill him, he barely has any cards left, then I just play another Ulamog, like wipe out his lands or wipe out his creatures, and boom, he just scooped. Up next round after Bant Company was, what I go up against? See, it was, yeah, Blackwood Allies, Bant Company, and I swear, when I talk about the PPDQ, I wrote down what I went up against, but last night, oh crap, what was it? Oh, it was a Tarka Red, right? Oh, no, no, it wasn't a Tarka Red. It was Red, White, Burn, Aggro. He was playing Soulfire Grandmaster, Seeker of the Ways, um, a lot of Burn spells, and it was just I had a lot of fast hands, and he, as soon as I stabilized the board, wiped the board, he was done. He just he couldn't get me fast enough. So, and then... My last opponent, we decided to split. We both got like 20 bucks. Which yeah, that's not too bad. And it cost five bucks entry, getting 20 bucks back. So getting 15 bucks. And and he was playing Blue Red Prowess. And I got to say, that deck, that deck is nice. I'm thinking about taking my Blue Red Prowess to FNM next time just, just to play something different because I've been playing this Eldrazi ramp for about three, four weeks now. And I've been. I feel like I know this deck inside and out now. And that blue-red prowess, it's just so explosive. It's fun, though, too. He was playing the version that does have Jace in it. Hold on one second. Oh, I need to learn to drink water, more water during these podcasts, because, dang, my throat gets insanely uh, parched. Now you probably hear some shuffling around in there, but that's all right. So let's see. Yeah. So during F and um, I think I explained my Eldrazi ramp deck in a previous episode. And that night I decided to really change it up. I was going to change it up before F and M, but I didn't have enough time. 
before they started calling off pairings. And so I did it after the tournament and really changed up and did a bunch of play testing on it last night. And I have to say, I am pretty proud of the deck. Um, when I went to the PPTQ with a friend and his son and he was playing, my friend was playing four color rally and his son was doing a Tarka red and I brought my ramp deck and overall I went two and four. It's, I, I was disappointed. I didn't go three and three at least, or even better than that. I did want to, I did want to win more obviously. Um, but I do have to say, I think I've mentioned it before, but other competitive REL tournaments I've been to, I've only been able to win one game. Like the last modern IQ I went to, I win, went one in five. The last standard TCG player event I went to, I went one in six. And the only win I got was a buy. So I don't even count that. So the fact that I managed to win more than one game, more than one match, that's that's a plus for me. That just tells me, hey, I'm getting better. Um, so I just want to go over the deck list a little bit, and because I did make a lot of changes to it, and I don't have the list up in front of me, so I actually have the cards in my hand. Um, I'm going to go over the creatures first. You know, I'll go over the main board, and then I'll go over the sideboard, um, and you know, pretty much tell you what I sided in against. Um, creatures. I have one, two, three. I've got three Jotty Offshoot. Jotty Offshoot is the defender. Landfall, whenever land enters the battlefield under control, you gain one life. I originally did have four, but I brought it down to three. This card has been in, was invaluable to me tonight. Um, I went up against two aggro decks, you know, a rally deck, two bank company decks, you know, the Bant Company decks were nothing but mid-range tempo. And these Jotty Offshoots, j just the fact that I keep gaining life since I ramp up and get a lot of mana, just the fact that they kept on gaining me life, it just, they worked. I can't see myself taking these out of main board. Even though they don't do anything except gain me life, it's just the fact that I have a body out on the field and with the fact that I gain life with it. It just, I, I can't say no to that. Um, next is I've got the four Rattleclaw Mystics. I'll be sad to see this card go because it, this is a workhorse of a card. It's, you know, it's the poor man's version of Noble Hierarch. You know, not anywhere near as good as Noble Hierarch, but for this format and this standard, I am definitely going to miss it. It's Rattleclaw Mystic. It, it's a, 2-1 creature, you can add green, blue, or red to your mana pool. You can morph it, and then when you flip it, it costs 2 to flip, and when you f it when Rattleclaw Mystics turn face up, you add blue, red, green into your mana pool. You know, all three colors at once. And I gotta say, um, sideboard, or after game one, this card got hated out a lot, but it's still, if I was, if, as long as it was able to be alive for one round or for one, for one turn, it did it. It's did it perp. It's, it did its purpose. If I could talk, it'd be awesome. But you know, I'm pretty tired right now, but we're going to keep on trucking. Two oblivion sowers were next. Um, oblivion sowers. When you cast oblivion sower target opponent exiles, the top four cards of his or her library, then you may put any number of land cards that player owns from exile onto the battlefield under your control. This was a one I was very, you know, on the fence about. Cause I was really thinking I should take these out and put in thought not seer, you know, thought not seer is basically the thought sees with a body. But I, at the end, I really wanted, I wanted the cast trigger to go on it and just to be able to get land. And if it resolves, I have a body out. It's a pretty intimidating body, a 5-8. A 5-8 is no joke. It's a very good defender because 
norm, norm, most of the time when I was playing, it's I'm not worried about attacking them until I can stabilize the board. I will keep up defenders, you know, Jotty Offshoot, Rattleclaw Mystic, and Oblivion Sowers on the field and not attack with them until, you know, the coast was clear. Um, this This is a new addition to the deck that, you know, it really put in its work today. And it was definitely a threat. And I can see this card probably shooting up in price. Um, Sylvan Advocate, two of them. Sylvan Advocate has Vigilance, which means you don't have to tap to attack. You just say, hey, I'm attacking with it, and boom. There you go. And it also says, as long as you control six or more lands, Sylvan Advocate and land creatures you control get plus two, plus two. So I'm only running two of them. I don't need a full playset for this. But it's a good body to have on the field. Another good defender. And I can get six lands very easily. So four or five on the field is, like, again, nothing to, to scoff at. It it does its job, and it does it well. Um, next is the good old Ulamog, the Ceaseless Hunger. When you cast Ulamog, exile two target permanents. It's indestructible, and when Ulamog attacks... The defending player has to exile the top 20 cards of his or her library, and it being a 10-10. Um, now, there were times that this card did get countered during the night, but the fact that it's a cast trigger and that I can exile the permanents anyway, I was okay with it being countered. You know, th this one I'm okay with. It's By the time I have up to 10 mana, I'm hoping that I have a pretty decent, you know, board anyway. So, um, I went down to one Dragonlord Atarka. I was running, oh, uh, was I running two or three? I think I was running two. And Dragonlord Atarka is a flying trample dragon. And when it enters the battlefield, it deals five damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or planeswalkers your opponents control. So, basically, that is really more for board wipes you know controlling the board so this next creature he's a new one that i put in the deck and i have to say he he was probably the all-star of my deck he was the one that was consistently awesome and helped me win so many games and that is none other none other than world breaker World Breaker is six colorless and one green. It's Devoid, so it's a colorless creature card. When you cast World Breaker, exile target artifact, enchantment, or land. Plus, it has reach, meaning that it can block flying creatures. What's, what makes this awesome is, is this card died a lot, and that's okay. When this card dies, you're fine. So, if you... It has a last ability... Two colorless and, or I guess two generic and one colorless, sacrifice a land, return world breaker from your graveyard to your hand. That ability right there saved my butt so many times. Because, you know, with me having so many land, I can easily get this card back. And it, it, it's just bananas how, how, how much value this card was for me tonight. It was... You know, I'd be able to play it, exile a land. Majority of the time, it was always a land. And, you know, I go swing. Oh, they're going to block or, you know, kill it off. Okay, cool. All right, I'm going to get it back and exile something else of yours. Oh, you kill it. Okay, cool. We're going to, you know, get it back, exile something else of yours, etc., etc. And I, I'm only running three. I'm still up in the air about running four. I think I can try probably getting rid of a Tarka and just running four and probably be fine. You know, a Tarka, I just really kept for the aggro matchup and it did, it did its job. It definitely helped. Uh, there was a match. Um, I'll, I'll talk about it in a little bit, but let's go on to spells. Um, I've got the basic ramp package, explosive vegetation allows me to search up to two basic lands, put on the battlefield tapped, uh, three Nisses pilgrimage, you know, search up to two basic forest cards, one on the battlefield, one on my hand. Nissa's Renewal, search your library for up to three basic land cards, put on the battlefield tapped, and you gain seven life. Um, you know, I could, to be honest, I could probably get rid of this card and probably put in a 
pilgrimage or explosive vegetation. Probably another pilgrimage, because I like that one better. Um, just because it's cheaper. But you know, this card, geez, I think I only played it like once or twice the whole night. I didn't, I didn't see it much else. And I usually sideboarded it out too, because I didn't, I never really used it. But the next card I'm going to talk about is a card I was completely at first against and i didn't think like now nah, this card's not that good i mean like and i i was seeing it in other lists i'm like why are they running this card i don't understand it's not that good and that card is oath of nissa and that just goes to show that yeah i'm definitely not a pro magic player because i misjudged it a lot um Oath of Nyssa is a legendary enchantment, meaning you can only have one of it on the field, on your field. When Oath of Nyssa enters the battlefield, look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a creature, land, or planeswalker card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast planeswalker spells. Um, I think I had one of my sideboard before I redid my deck, and I was just like, eh, it seems okay. I misjudged it. I misjudged it bad. It's um it's so good. It it being able to play this on turn one and either get another land or get a creature that that's that's all I need. It and being able to play like, you know, another one by turn two or turn three. Heck, even during late game, it just helps you out so much. I didn't even think of it as like a green anticipate, and that's what it is. So the next card the only instants in the main board are Kozilex return and those are just pure value for me um you know Kozilex return deals two damage to each creature and whenever you cast an Eldrazi creature spell convert a mana cost seven or greater you may exile this card and it does five damage to each creature um Hedron archive I'm still this is another card I'm kind of on the fence about um it did help me in some games, Hedron Archive. Hedron Archive, I can add two colorless to my mana pool, and I can pay two to sack this and draw two cards. This did come in handy a few times, but overall, I can probably do without it. It's... No, I don't know. See, I'm still on the fence about it. I'm still not sure if I want to keep it or not. So... Next card, I got my Planeswalkers. I did have three Ugins, and in playtesting, I decided to go down to two Ugins. And Ugin the Spirit Dragon, the Planeswalker, costs eight colorless. Uh, it's plus two ability, does a lightning bolt to a target creature or player. He has a negative X ability, which can exile each permanent with converted mana cost X or less. It's one or more colors. That saved me so many times. And negative 10, I did not get to do its ultimate. Gain 7 life, draw 7 cards, and put up to 7 permanent cards from your hand on the battlefield. I did get to do it on FNM a couple times last night. That's always fun. But the new card that I decided to try in the Planeswalker side is Chandra Flamecaller. And boy, I can see myself... If I were to keep this deck in rotation and not put any Innistrad cards in it and just keep all the cards I have now, you know, I'd lose Rattleclaw Mystic, lose Ugin. I would probably um, sub Rattleclaw Mystic, you know, sub Leaf Gilder for Rattleclaw Mystic, and I would sub Ugin or Chandra Flamecaller for Ugin. Because Chandra Flamecaller, it costs six mana, four colorless and two red it's pl her plus one ability put two three one red elemental creature tokens with haste onto the battlefield exile them at the beginning of the next end step uh her second ability costs zero discard all cards in your hand then draw that many cards plus one and eh, that one's okay um but i think the real shining star of this one is the negative x ability where chandra flame color deals x damage to each creature so that's another board wipe right there potential of doing four damage to each creature so that's it definitely helped um <coughs> excuse me you know it definitely helped it was it was i it did see some play since i'm only running one of 
it's I'm still still up in the air whether I should just run maybe two but one for right now seems okay and then the rest is my land package I'm running four shrine four sanctum one blighted woodlands one crumbling vestige and a haven of the spirit dragon for Ugin or Atarka so that's the main board let's get into the sideboard now and the sideboard I've got two natural states uh, it's a one green destroy target artifact or enchantment convert a mana cost three or less. Um, I did not board this once um, throughout the whole tournament. I did not see a need to board it. I was not up against any matches where I think this would be useful. Um, I have two Pulsa Marasa, which is return target creature or land card from your graveyard to its owner's hand. You gain six life. This card de was always definitely against the aggro matchup I put it in and it saved my butt a couple times um, I have two spatial contortion it's one generic and one colorless target creature gets plus three minus three until end of turn I sideboarded this in you know against aggro against rally um, bant company and it did its job did exactly what I needed it to do um, then I have two warping whale uh, it has three abilities. You can choose one, cost one generic, one colorless. Um, you can exile target creature with power or toughness, one or less. A counter target sorcery spell, or put a 1 1 colorless Eldrazi Scion creature token onto the battlefield. It has sacrifices creature and add one colorless to your mana pool. Um, this was definitely helpful against aggro and four color rally. Winds of Calcisma, your basic fog that prevents all combat damage. That was, once again, useful against aggro. Um, a new sideboard tech that I put in, Hangerback Walker. Um, if you know anything, Hangerback Walker costs double X, meaning like if you pay two mana, at double X equals one. So Hangerback Walker enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. And when Hangerback Walker dies, you put a 1-1 colorless stopter artifact creature with flying onto the battlefield for each 1-1 counter on Hangerback Walker. And then you can pay one to tap it and add a counter on Hangerback Walker. And this card, I always sided this in against aggro. It produced a lot of value for me and was just, just really good. Um, and then the last two cards, Titan's Presence. Now, I've seen Titan's Presence run main board, and that's where I was thinking about maybe getting rid of... I mean, I could almost get rid of Oblivion Sower or get rid of Hedron Archive and put in Titan's Presence. Um, I did always side this in almost every matchup just so I could exile some creatures, and it did its job when it worked. Um, that's my deck, in a nutshell i mean well that is my deck it's not in a nutshell that'd be weird that'd be a very big nutshell i mean it wouldn't be too big i mean looking at my deck i mean it's i don't know if i stack it that's what about three inches and then maybe four inches in length so yeah it still kind of would be a big nut that'd be weird I don't know why I went on and talked about that, but that's okay. All right, so I just put away my deck, and let's get on with the rounds. There were six rounds tonight, and, you know, I did practice some with my friend and his son, and like I was saying, my friend was playing Four Color Rally, his son was playing aggro, and, you know, I tested against his aggro and just got wrecked. I tested against his Four Color Rally, and... It was it was really a toss up. We didn't get to finish the match because the rounds have started, but you know it looked like I could have won, but I'm not sure. So first round was against Grix's Dragons, and I was it. I thought at first he was playing Red Black Dragons, and I was kind of worried about that matchup because they've got a lot of mid range cards. So my strategy for that game. But since I noticed he had a lot of higher costing creatures, and it was basically he only played creatures that cost four or more. So my strategy for that was to exile his land. And 
that's where world breaker was just a value machine for me it's both games i won two and oh in the first round and i got i gotta be honest i was really excited and really nervous at the same time so as i said it's my whole game plan was just to slow him down and you know i did gain a lot of life to jotty offshoot did his job but world breaker was the all all star i was able to constantly cast that just exile his land like game one i got him he had six land and i was able to get him down to three land and he just scooped because he just couldn't do anything because every time he would try to get something out i would just just stop him or you know kill him so round one was two and oh and i got him after that i was getting like okay so i won the first round what's going on oh my gosh you know like I was getting, I was, I was pretty nervous because I'm like, oh man, that, that's it. I'm going to do bad for the rest of the, for the rest of the, for the rest of the night. And that's where my bad thinking comes in. My self doubt and self deprecation. And I need to stop that, but it's just so hard because, you know, I came here or came there tonight to, you know, obviously do my best, but. I was really expecting like it's going to be tough for me and that first round was it just it it felt easy but I was also really you know kind of nervous at the same time cuz it was just hey I went 2 and 0 oh in the first match I'm like oh man so the next match was against four color rally and oh my god I should have been playing my rally deck cuz I do have four color rally and it's because there were so many people playing four color rally in Abzan too. Oh my gosh, it was ridiculous. And I misplayed bad on game one. I brought Ugin out and I attempted to wipe his board. I forgot he had an Antuga Hus and he just sacked everything and boom, killed me. Just, oh man, it was painful. So, and I did manage to win game two just because of Ulamog. Game three was just another uh, sack engine rally and company. <coughs> Excuse me. Just rally and company. And it was just another another total blowout. It was just not, eh, not very fun. It's, oh man, that four color rally is just too good. I mean, when I was playing it, I enjoyed it, but I was just, I kind of got, kind of got bored of the deck because it's just oh man you got to remember so many triggers on it and it's just it gets it gets frustrating so after round two i'm like okay i kind of figured i would lose you know you know but it's like i'm still in this i'm one and one right now so let's just see how it goes you know i was a little disheartened but i'm like you know at the same time i misplayed bad um game three or round three was against Tarka Red, and I know Ramp is extremely weak to aggro. Um, the guy beat me so quick in game one. I'm just like, oh crap! Oh, well, this is how it's gonna be. I'm gonna lose badly. And so game two, you know, I um, it it went off really slow, and I managed to stabilize the board with Ugin. No, 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 Dragon Lord of Tarka, and just do beatdowns and event and with world breaker and ulamog he just scooped mm, excuse me god this is gonna sound terrible isn't it um and then game three i had to mold a five and i'm thinking oh this is gonna be an easy win but i did have two hangerback walkers in my hand and so by turn two i got hangerback walker out for one he he got out like two monastery swiss spears I let him swing a couple times, and then I got Hanger back up to three counters, and I drew a Kozilix Return. I played Kozilix Return, wiped his board, because he had, like, two Abbots, two Swiss Spears, and, you know, Hanger back was safe from Kozilix. So then I got Hanger back up to four, um, started swinging, and it was the beatdown. Hanger back was the champ. I got him up to a six, no, a five-five, and... And he just played the beatdown game until he died. 
So Hangerback was the champ of round three. Um, next round was so fast. It was over so quickly. It was a Tarka Landfall, one of the first decks I built in the standard, and he just exploded me. Like, I don't think I could ever beat that deck because of how explosive it, f- it felt way more explosive than a Tarka Red. And I know that deck inside and out, and it's just, when I really think about it, it's I would have to have an opening hand of like Sylvan Advocates, Hangerback Walkers, Jotty Offshoots, just to be able to stand a chance. Other than that, it's I, I there's nothing I can do. It was just pure murder on my part. I there's I couldn't do anything. Um. Next round, so you know by round four I was two and two. I'm thinking, well, you know, I there's still a chance I could do something. You know, maybe if I win the next two rounds, you know, I can maybe get top 16. So round five was Ramp versus Bant Company. And I, this is where I got pretty frustrated with myself and started getting down on myself. I, I tried my best to pull myself back up, but it was, I was up against Bant Company and I, it, it was 0-2 and I, this is where I kick myself in the, in the butt over over my over my stupid decisions where it's like I get to a point where it's like I start to almost not care and I'm just like I just want to get this over with because it's what's the point because I get that stupid depressing feeling in my head and I keep bad hands and I'm just like I need to follow my gut because my gut was telling me hey don't keep this but my head was saying I oh, you know screw it you're not gonna do well anyway so forget it both games I kept really bad hands when I should have when I shouldn't have I should have listened to myself and plus Bant Company god it's such a good tempo deck too but it's I get frustrated at myself like that it's like why why do I do this to myself it's like 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 I was saying before in the losing sucks episode I have such a competitive nature to myself where I'll get mad when it's I'm not getting mad at the opponent. I'm getting mad at myself for why am I doing this? Why it's like why am I purposely setting myself up for failure? It's like I want to fail. So it's like why do I do this to me? It's like don't I want to do good? Yeah, I want to do good. But it's like why am I just not trying my best? Why am I just saying screw it? And then it was just like ugh, so I lo- when I when I lost it was like I had to really pump myself back up because it's like well you know what I shouldn't have done that and I was talking to my friend like I don't know why I did it you know I should just follow my gut and he's like just always follow your gut just do it so you know I went into the last round you know I was hoping to go three and three if I went three and three I would have been ecstatic you know but even though I lost the last round it was against Bant Company again um even though I lost the last round I I'm a little bit happier with myself because I mean, I did win one game, you know, I came really close to winning game three, like so close, but uh, I don't even remember what it was. It was just, I think I just needed like one more mana or something and I could have been able to wipe the board and something like that. I, it was something, I can't remember what, it's just been a long night, but it's, I, I listen to my gut. I mold. I didn't keep hands that I thought weren't good. I tried to make smarter and better plays. You know, I, especially that last one, I was really thinking, what are my outs? What are my ins and outs? What can I do? You know, do I need to block right now? Or can I get away with not blocking? Because like game three, I got two jotty, jotty offshoots out. So I was gaining life like insane. So that, you know, I can take some beats, but then he just got such a huge board presence. And I just, I couldn't get enough. I, I can't remember what it was. I think, I think I needed an Ugin or something. But, I mean, what can you do? So, at the end of the night, I went two and four. You know, one of the lessons I learned was, I really have to stop beating myself up, and where I get to a point where I'm just once again doubting myself. You know, where it almost feels like I'm purposely gonna make myself do bad 
and it makes me look like I'm getting mad at the opponent when I'm not. I'm getting mad at myself. It's like, you know, I'm o- I'm always cordial with the opponent. I'm always shaking their hand and saying like, hey, what's up? You know, good job. Good looking near the rounds. And I'll just walk away and just like start shaking my head where it's like, why do I do this to me? Especially after that round five, I was just not, I, I, I don't know what to say. It was just, I don't really know what else to say because it's just, why, why do I do that? You know? It's frustrating. And it's just something I've got to learn. I mean, I've gotten better as I get older, not to beat myself up like that, but it's tough. Because, as I say, it's like I was saying before in that Losing Sucks episode, Rational Motive Behavior Therapy. It's one of my faults is not only being competitive, but I expect perfection from myself. And that's completely unrealistic. You're not perfect. That's what I always have to tell myself. It's like I always make mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes in life. Everybody does. But it's I always hold myself up to a higher standard. And when I do not show that standard to myself, I get frustrated and just, you know, start to fall apart. And it's tough, you know, especially when you're at a competitive event like this. And, you know, I've been like this, been like this my whole life. And, you know, I'm slowly starting to get over it. It's, you know, like when I used to do martial arts all the time, I expect way too much on myself. You know, when I won tournaments, oh yeah, I'm, I'm the best. I'm, I'm awesome. Or when I lost tournaments, I'm like, oh man, I suck. You know, it's like, why do I even bother? It's like, I got to get out of that mindset. It's, it's gotten easier as I got, as I've gotten older, but there's still that part of me where it's like, I just demand too much of myself. And it's, it's something that I struggle with. And it's something that I will probably continue to struggle with. So, yeah, that was the end of the night. Um, went two and four. Um, my friend and his son did worse <laughs> than me, and I'm not like trying to make fun of them, but you know they, it, and I guess to be devil's advocate, they had not played in like a month maybe a month or two, something like that. So one, they were not only probably a little bit rusty with the meta game, cause you know how meta games are. They change within weeks as who knows, you know, next week. Oh, it may be friggin' Atarka landfall pant company. Agro mix is the new killer of standard. Who the hell knows? You know, freaking change as a pro will be like, Oh, Hey, this card's good. Oh my gosh. We're all going to play it. Uh, yeah, and it raised the prices. Sorry, I'm not salty. Not salty, salty at all. You know. But, um... It's... You know, like I said, um, my one friend, he went complete... He didn't win a single match. He went... He was in last place completely. And then um, his son went one and four and one. Or no, no, he went one and five. So... Oh no, two and two and four, I think. Or no, no, he went one and one and five, I think. Yeah, I can't remember. Sorry, but um, now nah, and we were just talking about it, and you know, my friend was agreeing with me. It's like you just got to follow your gut. You know, if you think the hand's not good, just just mull it. E- even if you're down to five or four, if it's not going to do anything for you, just get rid of it. You know, it's like, I, I always tell myself, like, I don't want to go below five. I don't want to go below five because if I do, then there's, it's pretty much no hope in coming back for, especially with a ramp deck with aggro. uh, I could get away with it. Maybe I don't know, but you know, there it is. It's, it's frustrating and it's a, it's a lesson learned and it's, you know, I mean, you just got to go through the bad beats, just like the bad beats in life, especially where you want to get somewhere in life. You know, you got to work for it. You know, I want to get better at magic competitively, and I just got to go through these bad beats. These are my bad beats right now, and it's I just got to slog through it because the only way to get better is to keep playing, keep going. And you can't worry about the losses you had. You just got to focus on the next game. You know, 
and it's it's easier said than done but you know you just got to keep got to keep going so well i like to thank you guys for listening to me rambling on oh man this podcast going almost 50 minutes i wasn't expecting this but thank you for hearing me ramble on um just like to give a shout out to mtgcast.com for featuring me i you know you can check them out they've got a lot of other cool podcasts um you know one thing i like with about mtgcast.com is they have like a whole network of other magic podcasts and i found some pretty good ones on there so I implore you to check out other podcasts as well. Um, you know, you can find me on Twitter at Zubatron and the official magic with Zuby Twitter is at magic with Zuby. You can find me on Facebook at magic with Zuby. You know, you can send me messages. I'll gladly answer any of them. And you can also email me questions if you want at magic with Zuby at gmail.com. You know, I'll I'll be sure to answer them too. If you want to email me questions and you know ask me, if heck I can do like a little Q and A thing too on the show. You know, so yeah, there you go. Um, like I said, thank you for listening to me ramble. And this, like I said, maybe I'll do other episodes like this when I've gone to other tournaments, just to sort of you know explain what happened, what's going on, and I kind of enjoyed this. It was fun, so. All right. Thank you guys. Have a good night.